Hello there, and a warm welcome to another edition of your Sports Memo Podcast. The Sports Memo Podcast is on the bill of www.atlsports.com. And like we always do, it is on the show we discuss topical sporting issues from across the globe. For this couple of weeks and thereabouts, we have been dedicating it to the ongoing FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. The first two group stage round of matches have been concluded and now the third round of games will kick off on Tuesday with so many round of 16 spots still to be decided. Three countries have made it to the round of 16. Two of them are past winners of this competition while the third are teams that usually get to the latter stages. It's talking about Brazil, France and Portugal. Well, my name is Fisayo Dairo and I'm joined on this edition of the show by two gentlemen who are presently in the oil-rich nation of Qatar. They've been monitoring hostilities how 32 nations 32 best footballing nations across the world have been slugging it out and battling for honors. It's my pleasure to welcome once again Digi. Ayo Digi Adigbero, the one we call for short, Digi Bero. Welcome, Digi. Uh, thank you very much, Mitaya. It's good to be back on the podcast again after my very short uh, appearance the last time out. Yeah, so good to have you. And also, I have someone that I so much respect as well. He's a sports journalist. By the way, DG Mero is um, a top official with Niger- with La Liga operations in Nigeria and Ghana. That's why it, it was um, um, easy to see him donning the Black Sands jersey when they were playing against South Korea. He's still in Nigeria anyway, but we loaned him to Ghana for that period. <laughs> okay. Um, for my other guests on today's show, we have Samuel Okoro. I call him my senator. Uh, he's a journalist based in Abana, Nigeria with Magic FM. He has been in Qatar even before the opening ceremony. Uh, good morning and welcome to the show, DJ. I'm Samuel Abegopadis. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on the show, uh, Fisayo. It's good to be on my first edition of the podcast. Oh, so let me start with you, Samuel. Since perhaps you've spent a couple of weeks now, how has the competition been for you? You've had to go to many stadiums, many fan parks, many fan festivals and thereabouts. How has the competition been and the coverage as well? Well, it's been awesome. It's been spectacular, to say the least. Uh, this is probably the biggest, if not the biggest, football tournament in the world. And you have an opportunity of you know, interacting with loads and several people. This is huge. Qatar has actually overdone themselves, if I can use that word. I mean, when you mm. put in over $200 billion, you certainly yeah. expect the very best. And that is what they've actually been able to do. From the coverage to the manpower to the resources to the decoration to everything, the fan festival, you know, even to the stadia, they've been able to, you know, keep it really, really tight. And I must give kudos, you know, to the organizers, the Supreme Committee for doing a yeoman's job. I mean, everywhere you go in Qatar, be it in Doha, Al Wakra, you know, or even Lucille Al Bayat, I mean, you certainly see 
something different. And I think that is what they've been able to, you know, preach so far, ensuring they entrench their culture in our minds. And I'm sure everybody who comes to Qatar will be living with that, you know, atom of the culture of the Arab people, or I should say the, you know, the Qatari people. Mm, that's very good. Thank you so much, Samuel. And of course, one thing I've always learned about the World Cup is how the host nations always try to change the stereotypical opinions and perspectives about them. You know, we were in Russia four years ago and um, we tried to change some of the nasty opinions that um, people have about them. And of course, um, that's some of the things you've highlighted uh, that the Qataris are trying to do as well. I'm coming back to you shortly, but let me go over to DG now. DG, um, to start with, um, you have this um, uh, campaign, a personal ambition of uh, taking photographs with 32 fans from the 32 countries that are participating in the competition. How have you gone with that campaign? And are you still optimistic that you will get those 32 done, considering that some of them will be leaving Qatar very, very soon? Yeah, so far I've gotten 21 out of 32, so I only have 11 left, and I was able to take 21 in two days. So I strongly believe I'm going to get the remaining 11 within the next day or two, you know. Uh, some countries are a bit more difficult to see their fans, like Cameroon, Serbia. I haven't seen them play, so I don't even know what their jersey looks like, so it will be difficult to support their fans as well. But it, it's been a fun experience, so the fans are friendly, the people are friendly. And I've actually seen some fans who had showed up even though their countries didn't qualify. I've seen a lot of Nigerian fans, I've seen Irish mm. fans, I've wow. seen um, Colombian fans. I even saw Ugandan, Kenyan and Zambian fans yesterday as well. Interesting. So people that we had, Samuel that said, probably never make it to the World Cup till 2100. Yeah, I mean, when Samuel said that the World Cup is probably, it, it's not, there's no probability there. The World is definitely the biggest footballing event on this planet. Hmm. That's great. So let me also ask you, um, how are the fans? Of course, it means you've met 21, you've met fans from 21 different countries. So how are they adjusting to what seem to be the harsh you know, stringent measures that the Qatari people live with anyway. All the no no humanizing stuff. Ah, they are just. I, I think I think a lot of this is is, is being exaggerated. The idea you can buy beer at the fan fan festival and the fan parks. It's just that there is no beer at the stadium. You can't find beer in the stadium. But at the fan parks, okay. the fan festival, you can find the official beer of, of people at the work of people's Budweiser. You find them there, you know. And uh, no womanizing. I, I don't know where you heard that from. It's a World Cup. I mean, <laughs> people are going about people are going about their business normally. Nobody is bothering anybody. But I'm somewhere as here longer than myself, and I'm sure we are doing know, this negative news is being exaggerated. People are having fun. People are having the time of their life. I think you so, uh, certainly so just put me in the mix. Uh, well, um, I mean, some of these things are quite exaggerated. Um, I've had the opportunity of meeting ladies here in the country, from the Kenyans who are in their numbers here to the Ugandans who are here. 
I've seen, I've met Tunisian ladies. I mean, you all, we all will agree, you know, to their poise and their beauty, their elegance. Oh, you definitely would always catch the eye of any man. Uh, the Moroccans are also here, you know. So, um, not to talk about the other Arab uh, ladies talking about Oman, Iran, and what have you. Let's not even get into mm -hmm. all of that. Um, quite a lot of these things are you know, exaggerated. Um, you do what you want to do, but maybe at a very high cost, do you understand? Uh, talking about beer, like did you said, quite true. Beer is being sold at FanFest. I've had the opportunity of taking some myself. Um, I was very I was very close to taking one yesterday, you know, at the Algernon Stadium until I realized, oh, well, it's Budweiser Zero. So, I mean, it's probably going to, you know, mean nothing to me. So, but beer is being sold at Stadia and... Um, what the Western media has actually done was maybe what they did four years ago in Russia, you know, try to create chaos and, you know, make some things uh, exaggerated and over the roof. Uh, but then when you come, when you touch down, you see how welcoming, how entertaining the people are. You see how open-minded they are. What they really want to do is to tell you a lot of things about, so much about the culture of, you know, the Qatari people. I had um, an exclusive with the Chief Operating Officer of uh, Qatar Tourism, uh, Trankel, just a couple of days ago. And he was so emphatic about what people have been fed, and which is why they're bringing in more people. About 2.5 million people have visited Qatar this year alone. Say 1.2 or 1.5 will visit during the World Cup. So that's to tell you they want people to come visit Qatar so that some of these things, you know, can be uh, quashed. And of course, we can actually enjoy the World Cup and maybe enjoy Qatar itself. I look at the what Samuel has said. You know, Samuel mentioned a couple, a number of countries, mostly Arab countries, you know, and women from that those countries, by their culture, their religion, they actually dressed down, you know, conservatively. But I've seen Kinting <laughs> dressed uh, Latino women and women from other countries. Like, God, so, whatever I do, mm -hmm. bro, it's, it's exaggerated, man. People are having fun with the world set. It's the past. Okay, let's quickly move to matters on the pitch. Yes, like I said in the intro, three teams have already advanced to the round of 16, which means that we've had two round of matches in each group. You know, um, let, let me just have your, have your take. Yes, we all, we all have watched the games, both from Qatar and from Nigeria. How are you impressed by the performances on the pitch. You know, a lot has been said about the giant killing stories of many of the underdogs and of course some of the big guns have also come to the party. How has the competition been to you guys? Let me start with Samuel as well. Um, how is the competition on the pitch? What's your assessment so far? So fantastic. Fantastic, to say the least. Um, I think yeah, a lot of the teams have brought it to the party. Some teams have actually wowed me. I must be very honest. Um, some teams have actually not come to the party, in my own opinion, just yet. Um, France, for one, I didn't give them a chance, but look at where they are now. I mean, I saw their first game and it was spectacular, you know, for me. The second game, yeah, you want to say, maybe labored, but they eventually got the job done. Kylian Mbappe has been in the world of his own. Maybe it's time for us to actually 
you know, give him the crown already. I think he's he's bringing, you know, his 2018 element to the 2022 World Cup. Maybe that's where he stops, you know, right there in Russia in the finals. He's carried it on, you know, right uh, to, to Qatar. We're super excited. I am super excited uh, about his performances. Uh, for other countries, Portugal, Brazil, I mean, these are superpowers. Let's, let's also be very, very honest. Just eight countries, Fisayo, have won the World Cup. Just eight countries. Of those eight, seven are in Qatar. Mm. So you are expecting mm. World Cup winners to be here. You're expecting challengers to be at the World Cup. Only Italy did not make it true. So we're expecting superhouses and superpowers, you know, at the World Cup. And they are beginning to show that charisma. Um, for the Belgium national team, I've really been disappointed somewhat. Uh, for Netherlands, the Orange Boys, they've not really shown me the quality. They are four points, I understand, but... That's not what I really want to see. But it is the World Cup. And I mean, some of those things will happen. But on the final day, we'll get to see maybe the best of the best quality teams that would need to qualify to ensure they go through to the next round of the competition. Let's see that fighting spirit. And I think that's what the third round of the games are in the group stages of the World Cup would give us. Thank you very much, Samuel. Biggie. football is all about goals. And so far, I think we've had about 79 goals in the games we have had. We have four times eight, if my mathematics still tells me right. So four times eight is 40 games. Can someone help me? I'm going to have to be 32. 32, right? So 79 goals to 32 games. Not not quite bad um, for you. Goals, we've seen some games with plenty of goals. We've seen some goalless draws as well. Uh, but um, on the fresh share of goals we've had in the competition, uh, are you comfortable uh, with that? Uh, yes, definitely. I mean, football is about goals. Like, but don't forget that this World Cup is a peculiar one. You know, it happened right in the middle of the team. Your usual summer World Cup, you have leagues ending and teams having three to four weeks to prepare before they go to the World Cup. But this one, mm-hmm. you play a match for your club this weekend, the next weekend you are playing at World Cup. A lot of countries uh, didn't have enough time to actually gel their players in the three for training sessions for their right Qatar. Uh, a lot of countries missed out on on players who got injured at the last minute. I mean, Sadio Mane is a big example. He gives something extra to the that which is missing at this World Cup, you know. So Benzema for, Benzema and Kuku for, for France, even though those two have been on, on charity come for their clubs. So these are issues we also have to take into consideration when we start. Is uh, this factor? Ghana, for instance, needs a top two goalkeeper coming into this World Cup, and the guy is number three. He's now number one at this World Cup, and he has done well for himself uh, as well. So, I think these are some of the issues we also have to consider as well when we discuss this matter. But having said all of that, I think it, 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 it has been a good tournament on the pitch. We've seen lots of good. We've seen amazing skills. We've seen. Uh, we've seen. Um, Great, great, uh, great to the great team. So I, I think as we move beyond the downward into the knockout stages, we'll probably get more excited because at, at that stage there is no margin for error. You either go hard or you go home. Mm. All right, thank you very much for that. Yeah, I'm sure the fans will be loving what they've been saying here and there. So by now, I think we have all teams. Already scored in this competition. Is there any other team left yet to score a goal? Tunisia, yeah, the Africans 
they are yet to score they play the goal as well in the first game so that brings us to the African contingent so let me start with you Samuel um, going into the final round of games we have a couple of African countries still having some hopes of progression three yeah. as a matter of fact Senegal in group A they face Ecuador in their final group game on Tuesday we have Morocco also in their group, having done a very difficult job of beating Belgium, they will be facing a lesser-fronted Canada in a final group game. And Ghana, the pride of West Africa as far as this competition is concerned, will be facing Uruguay, the South Americans, in a final group game. Realistically, how many of these teams do you think will progress and what for them to progress what should they do Samuel well for Senegal the onus is on them they have to go hard against Ecuador that game is built for today 6pm yeah. Qatar time that's going to be 4pm Nigerian time uh, Fisayo I would I would not I would not want to hit below the belt for Senegal you want to say yes the talisman instead your money has been missing in action but to be very very honest Alice Dissé needs to do better than we've seen him do they've not really been very very you know outlandish if, if I can use that word they've actually you know been here and there talking about the Senegalese team they've won just once and um, they've lost once as well they won against their host country uh, Qatar winning by 30 goals to one and if we're going to be very honest I mean they are the whipping boys of that group meaning they are expected to lose every game in that group as I mean you can permit by using such language um, the next game is against you know South American team and I usually have phobia for them I don't know why I don't know how rugged we're going to be astute in our yeah. defense I don't know how pragmatic they can also be in their attack um, Ismail Assa have not brought it to the party. Kalibu Kulibali in defense have not been, you know, the strongest of of, of defenders. They've considered three, they've scored three. Kishayo, I have my big concerns, you know, for Senegal. On the other part for Ecuador, they've just considered one goal, one goal, and they have one man, Ena Valencia, who has scored three times already. As a matter of fact, the only goal Ecuador have scored this, in this tournament has been from the boot of Ena Valencia. Mm-hmm. So it tells you a mm-hmm. lot about... Um, so much credibility going into the into the game. So I think they need to keep the man at bay. That's the best thing to do. Meaning, you know, Kalidou Kulubali would need to be at his very best. And Edward Mendy would also need to watch watch it. I mean, he's had too many already in two games. And he's the number one. I mean, this is... You see that you come home or you go, or you go out of the tournament. What I am mm-hmm. going to be proposing is going to be maybe a draw. I don't know if a draw is going to be good enough for them, Pisayo, but truth is, I don't know if they're beating this Ecuador side. It's not a draw, it's going to be the best of them. They have three points, Ecuador has two. So a draw means Ecuador will go to Netherlands, especially with this attack. So tell me that we may have to win, there is no other way around it. If they don't win down, they must fly back to that. Dakar. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see what okay. I'm saying? Sorry. Yeah, so uh, let, let me please take it away from you. Yeah, Samuel? Okay, okay. Well, uh, let, let me please take it away from you and go over to um, to Digi. Yes, because we're talking about South Americans and, you know, it was a, it's a disturbing start for, for me when I did our research a couple of days ago and I saw that 
because I know for a, for a fact that Nigeria have never beaten any South American team at the World Cup. So I extended it to Africa. And I saw that since 1990, no African team has ever beaten a South American team. Now, DG, Ghana also faced a South American team. In the game against Uruguay with a little bit of history between both sides. We all know the history anyway, so no need going further into that. <laughs> so they need, perhaps a point might be enough, but they need to win anyway. But the point might be enough if Portugal helps them against South Korea as well by not throwing the game away. So do you think these stars, of course, Uruguay and the same are not that impressive, but do you think these Africa and South American stars? This, does it disturb you going into that Ghana Uruguay game? Not at all. I mean, records are yet to be broken. So, if it's never been, if Africa has never been a South American team since 1990, that's uh, that's 32 years now. They have been yeah. to beat two of them this week. You know, I haven't said that. There's something I've said uh, to a number of people that Ghana needs to go to this game not with the mindset of oh. From the long slot years ago, we are going for results. No, this is the first game. It's, it's an entirely different thing. Go there, play that game as that one game and get your win. And like you rightly said, one point might be actually be good enough for them to qualify, but they need to go out and win because it builds their confidence and morale going into the last of the game. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's a very good game. We were wrong, so we are in couple and blah, 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 blah. We are going to be in the family with the day. I think that's the best government. Okay, um, we wish them the very best. Now let's talk about Morocco. And while I come back to Samuel as well, the Moroccans have. Um, they, they, they should be up there among the surprise packages of the competition. We all thought it was a fluke when they frustrated Croatia in the opening game. But boy, oh boy, they absolutely deserved that win against Belgium. Now we face Canada, which means that they're not facing a team that is favorite going into the game. So they are facing a team that is an underdog going into the game because the Canadians are out already. How do they approach these and uh, do I hope they are not going to bungle it this time? I, I don't think they're so. bungling it. Okay, go on, Samuel. Yeah, Samuel, yeah. Yeah, I, I sincerely hope so. And they have an opportunity to write themselves into history books. I'm not sure they want to, you know, uh, be on the wrong side of history. Um, they have an opportunity to beat a team that have not really come to the party at the World Cup. Canada, with all the players, they start packed. Coming into the competition, the Afonso's days of the sword and what have you, they've not really brought it. They scored just one goal. They've considered five times his trial. That is not a good, you know, record going into a game against a team that knew so high, against one of the top ten teams, you know, on the worst stage in Belgium. Um, they also did well, you want to say, talking about the Moroccans, you know, in their first game where they got um, a draw as well against uh, Croatia, who were in the finals of the 2018 World Cup. I mean, nobody gave them a chance in that game, but boy, they actually did give themselves some chance. So I think against Canada, they need to do what they've done in the last two games. They need to be very, very resolute in defense and, of course, attack when they need to attack. I mean, reasons why they scored twice, and, of course, yes, to concede, yeah. So it's going to look really good for them against Canada. And I just hope that they're able to pick maybe one of the two tickets, because I'm giving Africa just two tickets 
going to the next round of the competition. So maybe one of the two tickets, they should be able to pick that. So it's going to be on my book, a North um, African team, and of course, you know, a West African team going into the next round of the FIFA World Cup. And so do you have to be a disaster of epic proportions from local to qualify from where they are right now. I'm actually putting them good, you know, with uh, seven points. If they win the big Canada, you know. And they play very well, they stop twice, they've lost together something. And if they if they qualify for the group, essentially meet a team that is supposedly uh less threatening on paper in the round of sixteen. And when you get to the knockout picture of the World Cup of Scotland, then it's ask of in the first. And I think the first element is that the local population as uh, a better bilateral relationship with Qatar than Nigeria, which is why they are doing work up and they are doing very well, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're just okay. trying to say a lot of the Arabians are supporting each other here in the country. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's just what they're just trying to say. We've seen, um, I've seen the Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabian game. Um, I mean, the support they get from Qatar, from Tunisia and Morocco, um, Iran, Oman, Pakistan. I mean, you want to say, wow, what's happening? I've seen the Qatari game as well. I've seen Tunisia, you know, players. So, I mean, they get some of this support and you're like, how did they feel the stadium? But boy, they come with so much Arabians, you know, uh, supporting themselves. And I mean, it's good for them. And they actually want to see one or two. I think Qatar, you know, is not going to be part of the next round of the FIFA World Cup. It's, it's the bilateral relationship, my brother, trust me. <laughs> okay, thank you so much at this juncture. So, a little bit of the FIFA World Cup sound and allow the Jibero leave us. I Jibero. Thanks for being part of the pod today. And in the last several minutes of the pod, I'll be speaking with Samuel. Um, of course, we talk about the competition and its broad nature, about you know the, the favorites at this point, the favorites for the top scorers award. So thank you very much for taking your leave as we have we listen to it from Don Cook, one of the songs making the wave at the moment. Talking about believing it, yes, they are the ones making it happen. The footballers doing the magic right there on the pitches of Qatar. There's been lots and lots of amazing stories. The touch of the stadium, you know. Let me start this other part just in case you're joining us. This is your sports memo podcast, which is centered around the ongoing FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. 
and Miki Chayodairo having Samuel Okoro always in Doha at the moment on the pod. Of course, we had Dejibo up until just a moment ago. Yes, um, Samuel, you visited number of stadiums. Are you wowed? Can you compare yeah. any of these stadiums to, to the Oyuba International Stadium in about the next of champions in Oyo? <laughs> are they as good as those stadiums in Aba and Oyo? You know, I don't even like that you're even comparing the Aba Stadium. Come on, man, Fisayo. Why you must be that, that cruel to me. <laughs> but boy, they are nothing close. Uh, but they, Agosil Akbabio Stadium is one that stands itself out because of how it is situated and how it is planned. Um, it can cut across as a stadium that can host a FIFA tournament. I didn't say a FIFA World Cup, but a FIFA tournament. Um, mm. It might give a shot at a FIFA World Cup. It might give a shot at a FIFA World Cup. Um, the Abuja Stadium as well, you know, the Moshe Abela Stadium, is not bad, not at all. Uh, but then these things are quite different, Fisayo. A lot of the stadiums have, were built, you know, with history in mind and culture in mind. Take, for instance, mm-hmm. the stadium that hosted the opening game of the 2022 FIFA World Cup, the Al Bayat Stadium. You can see from the tent, it was built like the tent of old. They told the story, they told their history, you know, in the opening ceremony. But a lot of people did not catch because maybe, just maybe, they were not listening or they were not hearing. You take, for instance, the Lucille Stadium that will host um, the finals of the FIFA World Cup. It's built like, you know, a heart. So these things are structured around their cultures. And it's not, I'm not surprised that this is what they've planned to do because a lot of money has been put in place for this stadia. About seven of them were erected from death goal. You know, so much, so much money has been put in. The, the stadium 974 that has a rich culture of over 974 uh, containers, you know, built. So, it's just so much that they've put in. And I just hope people will come and appreciate the culture and the story the Qatari people are trying to sell the world. All right, so I'm back to the field of play. Yes, we've had a number of goals. So let me ask you, who are your favorites to land the now? golden boot? No, for, for the golden boot now. Yes, we have Ena Valencia and um, Kylian Mbappé yeah. actually go. And quite a number yeah. of players on the boots, but... Who are you? Who think are your favorite to land the golden boots for this tournament? Well, Kylian, Kylian is up there for me. I've been a fan of the boy since 2016, 2017. Um, 2018, when he scored you know, in the finals of the World Cup, I told myself, I'm going to see this boy play at the 2022 FIFA World Cup and he's going to wow us. And I'm not surprised he's okay. hit himself three goals already. You know, the boy is almost untouchable. His pace is phenomenal. His thinking is out of the box. I mean, he has this uncanny ability, you know, to beat players with his touches and his movement. Yeah, and he yeah, sees I... beyond the immediate. And that's why I, really I like myself. He's calling headers in this tournament. I'm surprised as well, Fisayo. I'm really surprised. I mean, I know him to be one who loves to, you know, do the other two thing, like we say, where you're a PS person. You know, yeah. but he's gone beyond that. He's getting headers. And we saw that goal he scored. And of course, the header. I didn't see that coming, but this is himself. This is making himself a complete striker. This is bringing himself to the fore. And I think it's just yeah. about time. He was 18 last time out. He's 22 or going to the three this year. He's just almost speaking. And we can't wait to see what a 27 year old Kylian Mbappe would 
Kenjo at the 2026 FIFA mm-hmm. World Cup. But he's one of mm-hmm. my favorites. He's up there. He's just settling up there. One person as well, already you know I have my sentiments towards him, is going to be Lionel Messi. I just want this to be his World Cup. I don't know. He sits, he sits there for me as well. I'm particularly excited he has got two goals. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited he has got two goals. And his last was it's spectacular. I mean, something mm. reminiscent of, you know, that um, goal he scored against Iran some years ago. Maybe just something really mm. close. Yeah. Um, I'm superbly, superbly excited, you know, for uh, Lionel Messi. I just hope it goes well for him and I hope they don't bottle it for him this time around. One person who has shocked me is Ena Valencia. I don't know if he has shocked you as well. But the captain of the Ecuadorian team has actually, you know, risen to the occasion. Uh, his group is not the tightest or the biggest or the deadliest of all, like we say. But I think he's been able to raise above some of the critics that have hit the Ecuador team in recent time. And I think he's been able to, you know, put all of that in into the bin. And he's raised his game to the point where, I mean, he's the highest goal scorer. Let's see what happens in the next round of uh, the competition. One person, again, who, who we're not taking seriously, you know, is uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. The man wants to score. He wants to beat these eight goals. He's one man who is so, so intentional. Anyhow, Fisayo, anyhow, <laughs> I mean, you know he will, he will certainly get those goals, but he scored just once, um, you know, in this tournament. And let's see what the next round uh, of games, you know, will hold for him. Um, maybe maybe not so much again. Uh, Gabo of the Netherlands, mm-hmm. he scored two. He's hit two already. Yeah, he's got two. He's uh, chasing Qatar today. Qatar. So, I mean, are you licking your lips? I don't know if you're licking your lips where you are, but if I were, if I were Gapo, <laughs> I would already be licking my lips and be asking maybe how many goals you know I'll be scoring. So maybe just some of these um, guys. I mean, Charleston, the Tottenham man, um, he's got a spectacular, spectacular goal. You know, um, in one of those two goals he scored in the opening game. Unfortunately, he was unable to find, you know, the net uh, in the last game. Maybe uh, he's going to rise to the kitchen. A lot of people are saying he's the new R9. I don't know if you agree or disagree, uh, but the boy knows how to find himself. He knows how to find himself in good positions. His positioning is, you know, somewhere there. Maybe not up there, but it's somewhere there. You know, um, I think I'm also going to watch out for him. One person who has flopped for me, one person who has spoke for me. You yeah. know, in this I, I, I was actually going, going to come to that, uh, Samuel, so, uh, <laughs> because we just, we just take a look at individuals and uh, we wrap up the pod today. Uh, because after this okay. flop, you know, we move on to the goalkeepers that have impressed you. So, talking about the flop, yes, a lot of players have impressed us and some are totally disappointed. So, who and who have really been the flop of the competition so far for you? Um... First is going to be Martinelli, but maybe because City is not giving him so much time, or you want to say the attack line of Brazil is just, I mean, mind-boggling. Um, he's not really brought it. Gabriel Jesus as well. His work rate is tremendous for Mikel Ateta and, and Arsenal. Uh, but we're yet to see him. He's had little or no, or no contribution for goals, you know, for Arsenal in recent time. And I think he has brought that, you know, to the Brazilian national team here in Qatar. A bar for him, um, uh, Oliver Giroud, uh, a lot of people say, oh, he's, he's got two goals already. But the boy is he's, he's getting so much. He's getting so much. So I wouldn't say I'm disappointed. Um, one person who really, really has not you know, done it for me is uh, Rafael Leao of uh, Portugal. You know, somehow, somehow, I have so much, you know, high hopes for the man. 
um, coming to the World Cup. I actually feel he will be leading the lines for Santos' team. Uh, you know, but it's not happened yet. Cristiano Ronaldo is a near good man. Maybe I should propose some names to you and you tell me how you feel with the performance well, so far. Okay, let's go. Shoot. Okay, number one, we have Edwin Hazard. He's expected to be in final tournament. How do you feel about his mm. performance? Um, unbothered, you know, unhinged. Um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting him. I wasn't expecting him to make the Belgium squad because, I mean, how many minutes has he had for Kalian Tolotti and Real Madrid, to be very honest? Um, I mean, he, he, he probably broke into that team based, based off on his, on his name. You want to say? Um, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised he's had he's having a bad tournament. I mean, he's, he's actually had a bad 2022, if you ask me. So I'm not really surprised about him. And what about um Son, the Korean captain? You know, I knew we we're going to raise that name, Fusayo. <laughs> But I just knew. My mind just told me he's going to raise, you know, some human. But <laughs> am I surprised? No. You know, on Antonio Conte, he's, this season, I should say, he's not really found form. True. And like you said a couple of minutes ago, you know, some of these guys, just a week ago or a few weeks ago, were playing for their respective club sites across Europe, from England to Spain to Germany to, you know, Italy to France. And a few days later, they are on jets to Qatar. A lot of them took okay. their bad form to the World Cup. Some of mean is yet to settle in. And maybe it's just, you know, that feeling of, I've arrived. I mean, when you hit about 20 goals or thereabouts, and you're named as one of the highest goal scorers of the English Premier League just a couple mm-hmm. of months ago, you know, you begin to see yourself in different light. So it's yet to hit him that this is football and what you get you can lose almost immediately. He can ask Pato. He can ask a couple of names I don't want to mention now. So I mean he needs to put himself right there. He's a leader of the team. He's well respected, you know, in the camp of South Korea. And I think yes, they are going to give him that opportunity to get himself into the game. What he's lacking okay. in goals, he's okay. making up for, you know, with the runs and of course uh, you know, the ability to also help his teammates. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's quickly talk goalkeepers as we round up. Uh, the Moroccan goalkeeper Bono of Sevilla has two clean sheets already. So, which other goalkeepers have impressed you in this competition? Um, which other goalkeepers have impressed me? Um, Alison, because it was a heated mm-hmm. debate. Who is he going mm-hmm. to be? Alisson or Ederson, and mm. I think so far he's not done bad for himself. Talking about the mm-hmm. Liverpool, you know, uh, star man, he's yet to concede right. as well. Yeah. In two games, um, mm. yeah, he's he's become a phenomenal for them as well. Um, let's see if he's going to, you know, maybe stand in stick for them in the third game, uh, Fisayo. Mm. But um, one other person um, who has actually done well is um, the great goalkeeper. Um, what's his name now? Forgotten his name. You know, he's also done well for himself. You know, he's been able to, you know, of Croatia. Uh, okay, okay. What's his name now? Dilakovic. You know, yeah. You know, he's been able to keep, keep, you know, himself in, in the game. He's considered just one goal. And um, 
he was not given a look into coming to the World Cup. But here we are, the mm-hmm. World Cup, and man, he's doing, he's been, you know, a yeoman's job. Uh, considering the group that they are in, Fusayo, you agree with me that, I mean, you are an expected creature to maybe consider, you know, so much goes, but boy, when you're in a group that consists of um, the likes of Morocco, Belgium, Canada, um, some of these teams can be boogie and of course uh, potential banana peel. But I think he's been able to hold this really tight for them and um, he's doing a yeoman's job as well. So yeah, he, he Hugo Lloris, is he there? He's considered twice already, you know, you want to say, but he's a whole old hand and I think he'll be able to make it himself. I was having a discussion, uh, you know, also with a friend and uh, he said, I don't know why Hugo Lloris is in this, you know, World Cup. I said, why? Why wouldn't he be? captain of the team and of course considering that he won the World Cup last four years I mean he also wants to cement his you know his legacy and I'm, I'm not sure he's doing bad for um, a player his age mm. Alright um, yes for the other record purpose Dominic Libakovic for the goalkeeper of Dynamo Zagreb Chelsea fans will not forget him in hurry. the man that ensured that Thomas Tuchel was tired Okay, I want to sincerely thank you so much for your time on today's edition of Your Sports Memo Podcast. And sincere gratitude to our guests, Fet Tayode Jadebeo and then Samuel Okoro. Thank you so much for coming on the pod, Samuel. Thank, thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Fisayo. Thank you so much to ACL for having me also. And hopefully when I get to do our in the next couple of days, perhaps we get to record one of these parts together. <sighs> most certainly, most certainly. It will be my honor. Okay, on behalf of my producer, who is the publisher of www.acsports.com, Calvin Emeka Obuka, my name is Fisayo Dairo. Thank you once again for spending your little time with us, and I hope you have the best of time in the remainder of the 2022 FIFA World Cup Qatar. Keep watching. Keep enjoying and keep winning.